You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. And away we go. It's another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor Show. My name is Pete Sweeney. I'm the editor-in-chief of ArrowheadPride.com. And I'm once again joined by my esteemed deputy editor, John Dixon. John, it is 10.34 a.m. on March 16th. We're just hours away from the new league year. What is your new league year resolution? Do you have one? Uh, that I'm never changing my clocks for daylight savings time again. That's... My man, I am so happy about that. I I can't even believe it. I well, it's cannot... still got to pass the House, but it was unanimous in the Senate. So right, we need pretty ha- good. For those that are unfamiliar with this, I can't believe we're starting with this, but the <laughs> Senate passed the bill to make daylight saving time permanent, meaning yeah. what we're in right now. And in the winter, that would mean it could be dark in the mornings, right? But you're right. not getting the 4 p.m. blackout Gotham City. We need to be rescued. <laughs> and I would welcome that. I would welcome that um, with wholeheart- wholeheartedly. And I, I don't like spring ahead. Fall back can sometimes be nice because you're like, whoa, yeah. bonus mm-hmm. sleep. The adjustment to spring ahead is it's too much, too much to ask. So I'm, I'm happy that we're going. Um <laughs> in this direction all right we are the arrowhead pride editor show we're part of the arrowhead pride podcast network we're keeping it locked and loaded all off season we've done a few emergency podcasts with the beginning of the legal tampering period we'll have the draft shows continuing to be on monday and friday right now i want to get to our reviews because as we will anytime you leave a review on apple itunes about the whole podcast network we'll read it on the arrowhead pride editor show so We'll get into the signings in a second. We got to get through two here. So first one is from Hang a Melon. All right, <laughs> long time listener, first time reviewer. Love all the shows. The editor show is my second favorite, but it is certainly gaining on the Great British. My question is, how do you expect Brett Veach to handle free agency and his moves versus what uh, you would do in his shoes? And the same with the draft. Well, I think we're actually. Uh, getting a little bit of a glimpse into that. We're going to get into more of it uh, this show because we have gotten the first wave of mm-hmm. moves here. Yeah. But it seems like they're not overpaying, uh, right. especially for aging players, and they're leaning into the youth. And I I can't say I, I blame Brett Beach, and I think this is going to be a grand theme of our show right right now. And it, and it's, it's preaching patience, and I'm not going to preach it too much to you because I know that can be annoying of people that like to preach on social media about how you should act as a fan. But I think the toughest part of this time of year is we only see a little bit of the offseason blueprint at a time. And I just want to remind folks as, as we get into what seems to be a little bit of frustration early here. Uh, this time last year, the Chiefs had come to terms with Joe Tooney, and it was mm-hmm. great. They had this great guard. 
but everyone was like, is he going to switch to left tackle? We right. still have this right. hole. Right. And that wasn't really solved until April. And for a long time, the Chiefs were weighing different options. Trent Williams became an option. It didn't end up happening. And then all of a sudden, you're like, whoa, they do have a left tackle. It's Orlando Brown. We may not get that till draft weekend again. Right. Or the middle right. of April, for example. So it's tough. You know, I, I can understand some frustration because you're especially I think this offseason, John, where, where it's different is you're seeing the AFC West really go a little crazy. And so you're like, well, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I, right. We'll talk about Justin Reed, but I can understand that energy. Well, part of that is because they all have more money to spend than the Chiefs do. The Chiefs came into the situation without a lot of cap space and not a lot of cap space they could create with just some simple moves like releasing players. Remember last year, they released two highly paid offensive tackles uh, in early March, and they had all kinds of, of cap space to work with coming into this period, and so it was easier for them to make moves uh, in the in the legal tampering period, and they did. So that's part of what we're seeing here is the Chiefs don't have as much cap space to work with. Now, I think they're going to get some more here in short order, but and I think we'll start to see some free agency moves, but I don't think they're going to be from marquee players, and um, I'm not sure they have to be. Um, you know, we're still talking about a team that, that uh, made it to the AFC championship game next year. You know, it, it's, it's easy to forget that the chiefs are a good team. We were so for so many years uh, coming into the beginning of the league year thinking we've got to do this. We've got to do that in order to get over the hump. Well, we're over the hump already. Darn it. Yeah. I, I think, <laughs> and Andy Reid says this too. One team is happy at the end of the year. To be right. in the final four, four years in a row right. is right. nuts. Right. Now, I will contend, like, the Chiefs squandered, I think, an opportunity, and it was unfortunate, I think, in, in the Super Bowl two years ago yeah. because they just got to the end of their offensive line. And, and really, mm -hmm. I mean, you're in your eighth and ninth and tenth offensive linemen. Brett Veach prepared depth, but I, the, the idea that, you know, you need to be ready. I don't know how many teams are – 14 starting linemen deep and you would have had right. to have been for I, I think the Chiefs to pull that one off this one I this one this year in the AFC title I think a bit more frustrating because there was an unraveling there and I think once again for the second time in four years you probably felt like you would have beaten the Rams in the Super Bowl so I I understand sure frustration yeah. but mm -hmm. you got to realize there's one New England Patriots and to make it four years in a row is impressive and right now we're seeing the process of them trying to do it make the final four for a fifth year in a row and then break through for the first time in three years and win, uh, win a championship. All right, let's go to the other review quick and then we'll get into the news. Great podcast. Every show throughout the week is something to look forward to. My favorite is BK and the show, but the AP editor show is top notch as well. Keep up the great content. I don't know if you've noticed this, John, but we have a trend. We have a silver medal trend going. So the first, <laughs> the first <laughs> review likes Great British. We're coming up close, but uh, the second one, uh, likes showing BK again coming up close, but just just short. So us too. It, it seems like we're making the finals, but we we need to maybe make some changes yeah, step here. Step up our game, yeah, to, right. To okay. break through to the gold medal. Perhaps if All we right. offered money to the listeners, That's we'll right. pay I, you money to listen. With that, John's that words, it? not mine. You Arrowhead phones <laughs> at Twitter. So let's get into some news again. If you rate and review us, we will read it on this program. The big news so far is the Justin Reed signing. This has been the only splash signing that the Chiefs have made. Justin Reed, a 25-year-old who started his career with the Houston Texans, 
And I think the big story in this one, John, when it comes to Reed, is he's a versatile player. Mm-hmm. He's a safety that does a lot. And mm-hmm. Ron talked a bit about this on the emergency podcast where he can play free safety, but he can also play slot cornerback. He can play outside cornerback. He can play on the line. He can play in the box. And so who does that remind you of? It's Tyron Matthew. And this sort of was the unofficial goodbye to Tyron. What, what's been interesting here is, is as you've seen the market play out, Marcus Williams signed yesterday. Um, Marcus May signed yesterday so you're seeing players move and what's been remaining is Tyron Matthew and you've seen teams that he might end up with go in other directions so I'm Mm -hmm. wondering who the suitors are out there there have been some people that think maybe he lands even with the Las Vegas Raiders which would be so weird Uh, I know that a lot of Chiefs fans hope that that doesn't play out but I I think first of all let's talk about reads impact and then if you want to transition of like okay well what does it mean for tyron matthew and his his legacy where where do you stand on that john well i think uh you're basically looking at a younger version of tyron matthew i mean this this player isn't a world beater but he's solid uh he's a hard hitter uh he's young 25 i think um, so the chiefs, if he fits in with, uh, Spagnuolo's defense, they ought to be able to play this young man for a number of years. And, uh, as we'll get to in a little while, his contract's very favorable, much less expensive than Matthews would have been uh, if we had signed him for what he wants. Right. I think the question is, uh, what is Matthew going to be worth on the open market? I think it's not beyond the realm of possibility that after the chiefs open up some more space, which I'm sure they will that Matthew could end up back in Kansas city at a much less uh, rate than he was anticipating. So I don't know that the door is closed yet. Yeah. I, and I think there would have to be some pride eating there, maybe sure on both sides because yeah. it's gotten, I don't want to say it's gotten really completely ugly. I mean, it's not the Kim Kardashian, Pete Davidson, Kanye West level at this point, but it is somewhat ugly where you, you could see that there's been some jarring from Matthew, not from the Chiefs, of course, because I, you know, they're going to have that whole PR team and, and save face. But you got to imagine that they haven't been ultimately completely pleased with the way that Matthew sure. has kind of carried himself as well. So, you know, that happens. This is a, a tough business. You see that some of the decisions and the tough decisions people have to make. I can't see my I can't myself see Matthew being back in the mix for a lot of these reasons. I I think he lands somewhere, and I think the Chiefs, in, in you know there was the uh, report from Kimberly Martin of ESPN, Chiefs never even offered him a contract, and, and, right. and I I truly believe that. So I I think this may have been the the plan all along, and and they you know what to be fair to Matthew. The Chiefs, in some of their words, they pulled the wool over our eyes a little bit and saying, you know, we've been constantly in communication. We're working on something and then to never offer a contract. I'm sure as time goes on, we'll learn the details of this. Remember, there's one side, there's the other side. And then somewhere in the middle, there's what truly happened. So, you you know, you got to think about it that way. Well, Um, it's entirely possible to have communication with the the other camp and not offer a contract. I mean, it's not those things are necessarily mutually exclusive. That's, That's true. So, right. So. Uh, and, and it's also true that both sides can love each other and they don't come to a deal. You know, it, that's not also, that's also not mutually exclusive. And they've said that many times. Um, it, but you're right. It, the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. You're listening to this right now sometime on Wednesday, 
very possible that Tyron Matthew is signed somewhere already. Right. Maybe he's yeah. a Chiefs. Maybe yeah. Elsewhere. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> One thing we do know is Justin Reed will be a Chiefs. It's a, a, a three-year, $31.5 million contract, including uh, $20 million guaranteed. John, what do you make of the deal? Well, uh, this is an interesting deal um, because the $20 million guaranteed is all in the first two years. The signing bonus and the 2022 and 2023 salaries are guaranteed. Um, and uh, next year's cap hit, I have this written down here. Let me bring it up here. Next year's cap hit will be relatively high, $12.7 million. But this year, it's just $4.6 million. And after 2023, if Reed doesn't work out very well, which, of course, is always possible, uh, there will only be... $3.5 million in dead money. It'll be pretty easy to let him go if things don't work out in 2024. So it, a nicely structured contract uh, that Veach put together for this young man. Yeah, and and I think it goes back to the idea, too, that they like to invest in these young players. And it, sure. and it seems like there was a little bit of bending by the Chiefs, too. I think ideally, if you really believed in this kid, you'd want to sign him to a five-year deal. But as it came through from Fox and Houston, Reed is wanting to get another contract at the age of 28, mm-hmm. which if you're looking at this Tyron Matthew situation where he's approaching 30 is, is pretty good business on the agent and the player's part, because if he's a, a player for Kansas city, you know, you're not going to be talking about him turning 30 when his contract ends, he'll be 28. Right. And then right. You, you're going to be pressed uh, once again, if we could fast forward three years from now, a little older me and you, John, um, you'd have to figure that out. So uh, good business, I think on both sides and it's a good deal. And and it seems like the chiefs are very high. I know that uh, they, they, this is the player that they wanted and they went out and, and got him right away. This was similar to how they felt about Joe Tooney mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. They, they knew they wanted to go out and get this player and, and they were able to, to bring him in. Okay. I want to go to one of the grades of this player. Uh, and it was from CBS sports, Brian DeArdo. I don't know his work that well, but he, look, he's been dishing out grades, so we're going to read him. Gave this one a B minus. I don't agree with B minus because of the fit and the contract. I think I'm at an A minus because I'm a little unsure about saying goodbye to Tyron Matthew. But I think if you're going to do it, you have to have his replacement in place, and that's where I land. I feel like, you know, in their evaluation, they really think this guy can do the job. I'm a little nervous, so I'm not going to go A. I'm not going to go A plus, but I'll go A minus. What do you think, John? Uh, I wouldn't go B minus for sure. I think a B at least, maybe a B plus. I'm not quite okay. as enthused about it as you are, but but it, he is a solid player, and it may be that on a on a with the right situation that is in this defense, he could be a much better player. So um so i'm not prepared to to go total optimism on this but okay uh it's not like we're looking at this guy going well this guy's terrible why are we paying him he's not terrible he's a solid player and uh so i would go a b or a b plus i think one thing we should note is he only played 13 games each of the last two seasons <clears throat> but if you really dig in it, it was covid and, and concussion which, right you know you can't really control that stuff so I think the Chiefs feel like he can play 17 games and he's going to have to because Tyron Matthew was awfully durable. And if you don't have Tyron Matthew on your team, you're going to need this guy. And even when he was playing, he played a very high percentage of snaps, just like the Chiefs yeah. would, would would want to use him. So that's a that's a positive as well. All right. Well, we discussed Matthew. I had that on the rundown. Let's discuss the Frank Clark restructure. We know that the Chiefs are saving money here. 
but we don't really necessarily have all the details locked down. We know that they needed the number to be lower for 2022. I've heard it's around in, in the $11 million range, but we haven't received the concrete details on mm-hmm. this contract uh, thus yet, John. What do, you, what do you make of the Frank Clark restructure? Well, this is kind of an unusual situation. Normally, uh, with a restructure, a couple of things are true. One of them is they give you all the details because it's usually to create camp space. And so normally that's one of the, the pieces of information that's out there right away. Well, we didn't get that piece of information right away. And uh, they just said that his base salary will be $29 million over the next two years. Okay, well, that doesn't tell us exactly how the, the cap is going to work this year. Uh, and the other thing about it is that it appears to be strictly a pay cut. And normally right. in a restructure situation, you end up paying the player more the same money that he would have made under his salary. And you create a, a signing bonus to do that and spread it out over uh, the rest of the contract. Well, there's only two years left in this contract. So really the only way they could do it is to pay him less money on his base salary. And uh, Clark was in a situation where he would have been motivated to do that, A, because his production has been down. He's said many times that it's sacks that make uh, that make his salary go. He, he understands that, and that's going to be a reason that the Chiefs aren't going to be willing to pay him a whole lot of money. So he accepts that he's not as worth, worth as much on the market and is willing to take less money, not only for that reason, but because he likes being in Kansas City. He's bought a house here. He's talked about those things. So that adds up to a situation where he's willing to accept less money in order to stay with the team for at least another season. The only question is, how does it change the cap hit for this season? Uh, right now, he's at $26.3 million before the restructure. It could be anywhere from, I mean, we're going to assume that the Chiefs are going to uh, have most of this decrease in his base salary yeah. in this year. And if that's the case, his cap hit for this year could be anywhere from, you know, nine to $12 million less, something, something in those figures. So it's possible that with this restructure, the Chiefs are under the salary cap and they've been above the salary cap for the last couple of three weeks. So it may be that they're in position to uh, go to the beginning of the league year at mid-afternoon today and, uh, and be under the cap. But we, we just don't know for sure. I have a lot to <clears throat> say about this Frank Clark thing. So <laughs> <laughs> you got to think about the Chiefs roster right now, right? You're, right. I, I think they are in the market for a premium ed- edge rusher. One, yeah. I don't think that they say goodbye to Frank Clark and then can bring in two guys. Maybe they can bring in one premium and then there's one mm-hmm. average, doesn't know the scheme yet on the market that you bring in and maybe is a lot like Frank Clark. So, you know, you cut Frank Clark outright, and I don't blame blame fans for wanting that. It's been right. disappointing mm-hmm. since the playoff sure. run, the title run. Yeah. But you are paying him a little bit more to just stay on the team. And then you really don't have to worry about replacing, and I'm being very clear here, what is now your second edge rusher. Frank Clark, they're not looking at Frank Clark anymore right. as the 19, the guy they brought in, they traded the first round mm-hmm. before. They're looking yep. at him as like, might as well keep him. We committed to this money. right? But Frank, you got to know you're not the guy anymore. Right. We're bringing in the guy. I, I, I really think they're, they're after someone big, the other edge rusher. So with that in mind, you're paying what a million more or so to keep him, keep a player as opposed to just cutting him, saving maybe a little bit more money 
and not having that need. So just in the, the numbers of it makes sense to me. I also think that Chris Jones probably likes that Frank Clark is still in the building. I know that they have a great relationship. Mm-hmm. Yep. I also think that it makes it more likely that Melvin Ingram comes back because I know that they had a, a, a great relationship. I also, and I said this in the emergency podcast, <clears throat> and I want to reiterate, this changing of the defensive line coach could be a fresh start, so to speak, for Frank Clark. Mm-hmm. A lot of times you need to change yeah. teams for a fresh start, but you have Brendan Daly, who's going to the linebackers coach. We've talked about it on previous podcasts, continues to help him. Could have been a change. He wants to be a, a defensive coordinator. Uh, Daly's also going to be the run game coordinator, so he's not going to be completely out of the defensive line room. You know, when you're the run game coordinator, you're you're making the fits really for everybody. But you have Joe Cullen entering the mix as a former defensive coordinator, and he's going to in- inject some energy, some new energy into that that room. And who knows how bringing him in is going to change the line to be a little bit more exotic. And maybe that that fits Frank. And maybe he's just another cog in this like five to six to seven man rotation. Now, my opinion will change completely if they don't bring in another premium edge rusher. Right. I just, hap- I just happen to think right. they will. So, right. I, yeah. Yeah. I agree. You know, if I'm grading this particular move. I'll give it a B. I I don't hate it. I don't I don't not yeah. well, I'm kind of you know, but I understand it. And so yeah, that's where I land. Where where what about you? I might grade it a little lower. I might go to a B minus or a C plus on this just because of the frustration with Clark. But you know, you gotta you you're making a good point about uh, the situation that the Chiefs are in where they can't just look at the production versus salary. And I'll add another point to the points you were making. Um, that, uh, you know, they may be looking at this as if Tyron Matthew goes away, we're losing one of the big voices uh, on the defense. And maybe they feel that Clark, who has really served in that role uh, ever since he arrived in Kansas City, uh, they don't want to get rid of both of those guys in the same year so they can transition to these younger players over the next couple of years. So I don't know. Now that I've said that, maybe I'd go to a... (laughs) <laughs> I wouldn't be uh, get it down to a C minus, maybe a B minus or a B. Yeah. Well, that that's one thing I've talked about is, is losing the leadership because you not only lost Hitchens already. I mean, he's been cut right, for a while right, now, but right. But Matthew is gone, and and you know, do they really look at, at Jones like that? I I think you're going to need some quiet leadership from a Nick Bolton, but it, there's, you're going to have to have some kind of voice. I wonder if Justin Reed can fill that from every indication mm-hmm. people I've talked to in Houston. He is the ultimate good guy, very similar to Matthew when it comes to off the field stuff. So I think between him and Juan Thornhill and Chris Jones, and now you have Frank Clark back in the mix, you have a, a leadership structure in there. What becomes interesting when it comes to the leadership thing is we've gone through what was half a decade, more than that, where you had a really distinct leader. First it was Eric Berry and now it was Tyron Matthew. And I just, right. at mm-hmm. least at this stage, I don't know who that is for the defense. Right. Right. So mm-hmm. we'll see. Could be someone that isn't on the team yet. Could be one of these guys we're not thinking about just because they've been in these secondary type of locker room roles for a while now. But we'll see how that that plays out. Yeah. Want to go to the next story? The Chiefs brought back the bowling ball, the fullback, <laughs> Michael Burton back with the team. Andy Reid can't quit the fullback, just like a lot of people can't rid themselves of smokes because it just feels so good. Having a fullback on this roster is key for Andy Reid. So Michael Burton is back in the mix, did a pretty good job last year. He actually was a key in that Thursday night game against the Chargers. I remember he made a yeah. couple of big plays and what was a, ended up being a, a, a key game for the Chiefs down the stretch. So 
Um, Michael Burton, you have some details on the contract, John? I do. And I, I'd like to point out that, uh, you know, we got used to Anthony Sherman's contributions on a very small number of sta- uh, snaps uh, over the years that Andy Reid has been here. Burton has actually surpassed that. Burton had 11 touches in 2021, touched the ball 11 times, resulting in 10 first downs and a touchdown. I mean, this guy has been money when he has the ball in his hands. Now, Sherman was that way too, uh, but Burton is actually a little better than Sherman has been all these years. So, uh, and, and they've brought him back on a veteran salary benefit contract uh, just like Sherman used to have every year and just like he had last year. This is actually just a thing that's in the collective bargaining agreement that essentially allows teams to pay a veteran $150,000 roster bonus that doesn't show up in the salary cap. It doesn't work out exactly that way, but that's the the sense that we're looking for. It allows you to give a player, uh, a veteran player, a nice bonus. You know, to these veteran players who are making a million dollars a year uh, that have been around for a while, $150,000 bonus at this time of year is a good thing. And that was enough to get some of these guys to stay with the team where they're playing. And so that's what they've done with Burton. They put him on this, uh, the so-called VSB deal and he'll count uh, just over a million dollars on the cap this year, but he gets a $150,000 signing bonus uh, when he signs. You know what? I love that. It's affordable. Andy Reid wants Mm -hmm. a fullback on the team. You can mark in it's Patrick Mahomes and Burton for the first two players on the 53 man roster. Uh, this this year because he's definitely going to make it. So in your projections when you do them, make sure you have Burton on there. I, I'm always like, no, this is the year that Andy Reid is going to move on from the fullback, and I'm going to look like an idiot in my projections. Uh, so I'm not doing that this year. He also plays kick coverage, kick return, and punt coverage. Yep. And Brett, not Brett Beach, the Uncle Dave Tobe always talks about how important these four core guys are. So that's a, a three core guy, mm-hmm. you, know, you would say. Yep. Not really the term, but uh, so that's important, too, especially if you're going to be a fullback on this team. More snaps, as, as John was talking about. And he's a nice guy. Yeah, he's a nice right. He's a little bit nicer guy than Sherman. No offense to to the sausage. When, but he doesn't sausage. dress fancy at training camp. That's one thing. Yeah, that's one that thing that we, that we miss with Anthony Sherman is the costumes on opening day of training camp. But that, maybe Michael Burton can work on that. That was the be- usually the beginning and the end of the highlights of Anthony Sherman's year. Yeah, uh, I, I I do miss that aspect of it. But in COVID, you didn't really have the entrances as much right. anymore. So right. it's not like we would have had it anyway. All right. Uh, well, last story, and then we'll take a quick break and, and get into some of the departures for the Kansas City Chiefs. The Chiefs were awarded two more draft picks in the 2022 NFL draft. So one in the third round that has to do with Ryan Poles heading to the Chicago Bears in the Rooney Rule stuff. And then you had the seventh rounder from just the free agents lost versus the free agents gained. And so now, John, the Chiefs have nine picks, including four in the seventh round. That is what you call on the Arrowhead Pride editor show for ArrowheadPride.com a a writing nightmare because you get four <laughs> picks in about the, the span of three minutes. I tend to think that uh brett <laughs> brett veach will end up moving two of those seventh rounders to maybe get up into the sixth round that would be my guess and i also think of these nine picks i only think you end up getting like six players i said that on twitter last night brett veach is aggressive i think i think now this year 
feels like more so than other years that he would maybe even trade up to get a little bit higher in the first if we haven't had the pre-draft presser yet and, and it's really revealing i mean kudos to brett veach for revealing the details that he does and still nailing these drafts but i don't know i i tend to think if you really like a a player that you feel can be a day one guy i think it's time for brett veach to make his his signature first round pick no offense to clyde who's left some <laughs> something to be desired i'll put it in a nice way so uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll see. You got the two th- third rounders, so that makes it makes it possible, John. Yeah, um, you you know, and it goes along with the point you were making before uh, about Frank Clark not necessarily being the guy as the edge rusher. Right. It's possible that that may be what Brett Beach is thinking about. That it's going to be time to trade up in the first round and grab one of these uh, edge rushers. And there's a lot of them in the draft. It's a pretty deep pool. And a lot of them are going to be gone in the first round more than usual. So he may feel that this is what he wants to do is to get a young guy to come in there and be the face of the line for, for many years. So right. that's uh, that's definitely a possibility. Uh, I'll also add that it was also, it was almost one more seventh round pick. Uh, the NFL release uh, with this information said that the chiefs had one more player, one more transaction that qualified uh, to be a complimentary formula player, but it ranked 33rd and they only give out 32 of these picks. So the chiefs came very close to getting yet another, uh, comp pick this, uh, this season. If you are someone out there who's always wanted to write for Arrowhead Pride and you happen to be available on, what is it? April 30th or May 1st or whatever <laughs> day three is, and you want to do a write up on one of these seventh rounders, we are going to need the hands. So <laughs> let me know. I can't wait for my inbox to fill up. All right. We went through the news and the players that the Chiefs have gained or they kept. When we come back, we'll go through a player they lost in free agency. Stay with us right here on the Airhead Pride Editor's Show. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the Prop G podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work questions including what are we missing when we work remotely or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking from the provocative to the technical we're offering insights you won't want to miss so tune in to the future of work a prop g pod special sponsored by canva you can find it on the prop g pod wherever you get your podcasts back here on the arrowhead pride editor's show Pete Sweeney, John Dixon, we are approaching right now at the time of recording the opening of the new league year when all of these deals that have been talked about in what they call legal tampering become official. Worth noting here, John, and if you want to make any point on this, you can. When the time of the new league year starts, at least internally on the books, the Chiefs got to be under the salary cap. And right. We'll have a better idea what the salary cap is at that point because they're going to have to make these moves. Uh, right now, how do you find the Chiefs to be? And I know you're you're taking a stab here, so we'll we'll acknowledge that. Right. Well, I think I think it's entirely possible that they're already at the point that they don't have to make a move to get under the salary cap. I think that maybe they went into this Frank Clark restructure uh, knowing what moves they were going to make, which which uh, free agent players are going to tender and how much that was going to cost them and said, okay, this is the, this is the space we need, Frank. 
are you willing to do this for us? And then Frank says, well, you know, I need to have a guarantee about this year. And, you know, however that the negotiation went, I think it's possible that they are at or a little bit over the cap right now uh, because there's uncertainty about exactly how that Clark's uh, contract is structured. We don't know that. Um, And uh, so, but I think it's possible they're right at the cap right now, meaning they don't have to do anything else. Now, um, they might still make some moves today, despite being right at the cap, because, you know, they can play around with this stuff a little bit. It just depends on, on, you know, where they are with a extension to contract to Tyron Matt to not to Tyron Matthew to Tyreek Hill. And also uh, they always have the, the option of uh, signing a piece of paper and getting some money from Patrick Mahomes contract. That's the reason it was set up the way it is. So they can have a bank they can go to if they need space. Uh, I think you can target of opportunity or something. Sorry, not to cut you off. I think you can almost assume the Mahomes thing happening. I mean, they can not going to be able to do it every year. But just in the I, in the frame of, you know, salary cap is what it is stemming from Corona still this year. It's supposed to really open up if you're ever not going to do it and make sense. It's it's probably in the years when the Mahomes mm-hmm. contract almost becomes affordable. Right. In a sense. I heard on and just sorry, I have to just share this. I heard on the Arrow, not the Arrowhead Pride, the Around the NFL podcast. Uh, I'm a fan of they, they cover the entire league. Uh, I've always been a fan even before I, I started doing this stuff. Kirk Cousins just signed a new deal, and he seems to be the only quarterback in the league that really has control because he just waited. He just waited until he was a free agent. Mm-hmm, yeah. And I thought it was fascinating that Lamar Jackson seems to be in the same situation where you have all these quarterbacks that are trying to find these deals and Kyler Murray holding out and whatever. And Lamar Jackson is just hanging out. Lamar Jackson were to just wait. And it's a big risk, right? But if he were to just wait, you know, when it comes to being like 2024 or 2025 and it's Lamar Jackson and he's just on the open market, he could reset the quarterback market in a way that we have never seen before. And I, I just think that it, that is a, a fascinating thing, especially with these uh, with the salary cap going up. I, I'm, I'm, I wonder how that eventually plays out. But you know what? I think there's some kudos to be shared to like a Tom Brady or a Patrick Mahomes who understands that even though you can maybe make unlimited money if you pull a Kirk Cousins or what could be a Lamar Jackson move, your legacy depends on being a little bit as best you can team friendly. And I think it's mm-hmm. a, a huge advantage that he was able to do that for the Chiefs. Well, and, and Cousins did that. Uh, you know, he signed a, a deal that uh, gave his some cap relief to the team in addition to extending right. his deal. So, uh, you know, kudos to him for recognizing that just as Mahomes does. Yeah, I just I mean, I just see when you see just a, a, a year, 30 million extension. I understand you're maybe you might be giving cap relief, but I'm like, man, for Kirk Cousins to be I, I actually consider Kirk Cousins to be like the Cousins line guy. If you have a you know, you the old Andy Dalton role. If you have, if you're, if you're, if he's better than Cousins, you have a quarterback. If he's worse than Cousins, you don't. So for him to make all this money is just incredible to me. And uh, yeah, <clears throat> he was able to help the team a little bit, but he also, also got paid. And I think <clears throat> the great ones realize you need to be surrounded by talent. And that's all I, that's the point I wanted to make. Maybe, maybe Cousins does to an extent, but I, I am envious of the ultimate control he has over whatever amount of money he's going to make. 
I'll tell you who I'm envious of in the quarterback market is Chase Daniel. Just signed a, a <laughs> resigned yesterday. What is it now? Yeah. 14 years in the league as a backup and making a ton of money. He's made quite a lot of money in the NFL and it has never been the starter. Good That's for him. Right. Yeah, that you know, you you have all these quarterbacks that are just so gun ho on being a starter, right? And you know what? That's fine, but but then you find yourself out of the league in a few years. I mean, I think RJ RG three, for example, he he finally accepted the backup mm-hmm. role, but there was always something that was like, I want to be a starter. Right, and that didn't happen for him. Eventually, he found himself out of the league. Chase Daniel, I think a few years then was just like, I'm gonna milk this cow. This <laughs> we are gonna fill glass for forever. I'm, I'm just gonna keep milking it, and we're gonna keep drinking milk, and I'm gonna keep enjoying my life uh, as a, the guy holding the the clipboard so to speak and he gets some spot starts but he, yeah he's, he's been able to play sure he's the perfect backup and uh, you know uh, i think if you can assume that role the sooner or you, you realize that you are that role the, the sooner you do it the better like chad Henney right. is a, another yeah. one there's yeah. a little bit of a backup quarterback angle with the chiefs this year we'll we'll be following that We're not worth talking about it on on day one of the new league year Travis ward he left the Chiefs for the San Francisco 49ers, um, John. And this wasn't all that surprising. We had talked about this possibility as soon as he started getting connected with some of the premier cornerbacks on the market. Once he was connected to a Carlton Davis and a J.C. Jackson, I was like, there is no way in hell the Chiefs keep him, Yeah, even though they may have wanted to. So the three-year yeah. deal... Worth up to $42 million, including $26.7 million guaranteed with the San Francisco 49ers. That's $14 million annual per year. I know a lot of us love Ward. I think Ward was great, great, great kid, not great to talk to, so on and so forth. You can't pay him $14 million per year if you're Kansas City and you have all these needs. And I think the Chiefs right. realize that. Right. Well, and of course, uh, you know, during the Andy Reid era, they haven't invested a lot of money in cornerbacks and it's worked out all uh, okay for them. And I think particularly if they find a way to get a solid defensive end to play across from Clank, Frank Clark, who will, we now recognize as the number two pass rusher on the outside, uh, yeah. then they might not they might be able to stretch that out for another season and not having uh, a lot of money invested in the the secondary in the cornerbacks. And they've got some good players there, you know, Steed and Fenton, and and now DeAndre Baker's been. Uh, returned for this season, another one of the signers, the uh, signings we've had here in the last few days. So, um, you know, they've got some guys there that can play, and um, uh, but I'm not sure that they could have afforded to spend that money on Ward. I agree, and I, I think part of the trouble is is that cornerbacks fans always think cornerbacks are terrible. They don't get enough credit. Um, fans always notice when cornerbacks give up touchdowns, but they don't notice when the ball isn't thrown to a cornerback because he's a good defender. Ward had a really low completion percentage, uh, in 2021 and the rest of the league sees that. And that's why he's getting this payday. Yeah. And, and it's a solid player, right? So if you have the money to spend and you're in a different scenario, maybe you can do it. Uh, Chiefs now, I think, will be leaning into Lejarius Sneed. I wonder if they put him on the outside. I know they've liked Rashad Fenton in multiple roles, so maybe Rashad Fenton might be that slot guy where Sneed stays on the outside for all the snaps. I'm, I'm not exactly sure. I know they're high in DeAndre Baker. It certainly is a room where you need to bring in more bodies, but to me, I'd be like, okay, losing Ward, not ideal, but Brett Veach has never really spent a lot of capital mm-hmm. on 
the cornerbacks. It's at the safety. It's Chris Jones, a defensive tackle. It's these edge players, and he's young, and he puts in young talent uh, everywhere else. And so, you know, they could be going with that. You know, we talked about how maybe an edge could be taken with one of the premium picks. Maybe they feel like they can find a cornerback yeah, in the NFL that's draft. That's possible, that they can, too. They yeah. can bring up. And why not allow them to call their shot? They nailed Legereus Sneed on, on the fourth round. So if they can feel like, okay, we feel like we could get a, a day one contributor, and now you're using a first, second, or one of your two-thirds on it, I, I don't hate it. I don't hate not spending yeah. $14 million a year when, when you have the salary yeah. cap. Yeah, can't, can't, can't disagree with that. All right, at this stage, we talked about <clears throat> Justin Reed um, coming in. The positions that we'd like to see the Chiefs go after next, John. I'll, I'll let you start here. What are you hoping that they hope to, to fish in here in free agency? Well, uh, you know, I think that the, the – I think – I think I've said this before. They ask any Chiefs fan at a bar, they'll tell you defensive end. I think it's going to be hard to avoid getting a defensive end uh, in the draft or with some kind of splashy free agent signing. Uh, although quite a bit, quite a few of the, the good ones are gone. There's still some good ones. There's been a couple of releases in the last couple of days, some guys that could come in and, and, and be a, a good pass rusher for the Chiefs. But uh, So I'd have to go with that. But I think the dark horse here is linebacker. Nobody's yeah. really talking about linebacker because we've got Nick Bolton and Willie Gay Jr. there. But the Chiefs are also talking about 3-4, mixing in some 3-4 this year. And I don't know if they want to do that with, you know, a player like Dorian O'Daniel. Not necessarily O'Daniel, but I mean a player like that. Um, maybe they maybe they're looking to get another linebacker to put in that rotation this is this is a real dark horse crazy idea i know but i just wanted to throw that out there uh because the chiefs because reed mentioned that they might be mixing in some 3 4 next year and uh that made me think hmm i wonder if they're planning to grab another linebacker so that's something we should be on the lookout i think yeah so you know i i talked about the the infusion and the, the new look for for frank clark um and how this could be a change of scenery with joe cullen with the jags joe cullen showed three four and four three looks and so like i said i, I think it could be more exotic and that mm -hmm. plays into yeah. the hands of defensive linemen it's a lot mm -hmm. I, you know it's going to be a little bit of a learning curve i think if they are so making some changes up there that'll be something that is worth watching during training camp because we get the full practices during training camp. So we'll actually get to see some of these scheme changes. We, we won't go heavy into the scheme changes, just like we don't go heavy into trick plays that I see at training camp, because that would be silly, uh, to, you know, for the competitive uh, balance, but it, that's a good point by you. I, I think maybe that's some, that's a position that we haven't really talked as much about. I want to go to some of these obvious ones to me. I, I had mentioned the edge rusher, Reigning in a Von Miller or a a Chandler Jones would be, I think, such a huge boost for not only the team mm -hmm. but like the morale of the fan base at this point. Because right? They could oh, yeah. like hang their hat. Yeah. Not that nothing against our guy Justin Reed here, but it, uh, uh, a Chandler Jones would really, I think, tip the needle. Uh, and I think they need it. I think they need some guy like this to kind of give the defense some juice. And you know, we just talked about potentially some defensive line changes. Who knows what that could do for a, a line? I know the Chiefs have been interested in wide receiver. Uh, really upset with the L.A. Chargers for giving Mike Williams the deal that they did. <laughs> but I'm even more upset at the Jacksonville Jaguars. They've been a topic of conversation that gave Christian Kirk, who has never had 1,000 yards, 
a four-year deal worth 84 and it's a, and yeah. it's a double it's a double annoyance for chiefs fans because tyree kill is sitting there and saying man christian kirk is making 21 million dollars per year what am i worth 30 and i'd be like you know what you are worth 30 if, if there is a mm-hmm. wide receiver out there uh, and Devonte adams of the packers should be saying the same thing as he works on his contract so the chiefs are trying to figure that out that does not help that's reality right. When they when when a when a marginal wide receiver makes twenty one million dollars in Jacksonville, after never having a thousand yards, never being a number one receiver, who knows how many of the yards came from some of the attention that was on Hopkins, right? Because mm-hmm. I don't get it. And you have these receivers out there that are premium and elite, and they're licking their chops, and they should be. So that's a disaster. And then you have the open market receivers. The Chiefs have been tied to Jarvis Landry and Allen Robinson and Juju Smith-Schuster. And it just makes you ask, okay, with, with Mike Williams, and, and for, for what it's worth, I like Williams a lot more than I do Kirk. Like, that actually makes a little bit more sense to me. I sure, think, yeah. You know, Williams mm-hmm. has just dealt with injuries. It becomes impossible for the Chiefs to rework Tyree Kill to a deal that's going to satisfy both sides and then get one of these guys. And I'm, I was surprised that they were tied to Landry. Like, their ties to Robinson and Juju make sense because they've been looking for this you know, big receiver, six foot two, you know, 200 pounds. Uh, Jarvis Landry is a little bit undersized, but maybe they've gotten to a point here where they're seeing the writing on the wall where like Landry is going to be a lot cheaper than a Robinson or a Smith Schuster. And maybe they're like, well, we have to restructure or I should say um, extend Tyree kill. So maybe we have to go with maybe an, a more undersized receiver in a Landry, which wouldn't be the worst thing. I just don't think it's what they've been looking for these past few years in replacing Sammy Watkins. Yeah, well, that's been the problem all along is finding some way to get that production that that Watkins brought. And, and not only just the production, but how he made the whole offense play better. Um, you know, having him on the field is a real significant threat there, which is something that players like McCole Hardman and, and Demarcus Robinson and Byron Pringle have not been able to do, apparently, uh, is what they've been trying to find. And I think you're making a really good point there. I would also like to say, however, that the other reason to be upset that the Chargers signed Mike Williams is that we still have to play him a couple of times a year. That was the thing that really upset me. Well, that. it was a swing, too, because I, you know, some some thought that the Chiefs might have been interested in Williams. Sure. So yeah. The Chargers continuing to keep him and the Chiefs not getting him, which is double one point, And I'm, I'm, I'm reiterating Ron, our great lead analyst, or I should say repeating him. And it was his point, but I, I think it's valid. The. AFC West pass rushers are just wild now. Uh, mm-hmm. Each team that the Chiefs will play has really good pass rushers with um, Randy Gregory going to what was the Denver Broncos. Did you see this, John, yesterday where yeah. he thwarted the Cowboys? And oh, now, man. Now all of a sudden. All right, I was looking for this. I was, I was, As you can tell, I was delaying my time because I wanted to look this up. But the Chargers have Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa. Oakland, or I should say Las Vegas, has Max Crosby and Yannick Ngakwe. And now the Broncos have Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb. And who knows if Von Miller were, were able to get back in that mix. So Orlando Brown Jr. is great. Had a rough start to the beginning of the year. And then came into his own at the left tackle position. The Chiefs need a right tackle. Uh, I don't know what they're going to do there. Maybe they, they like someone in the draft. I just think they need to load a lot of bodies at that position and upgrade it. I don't know if Andrew Wiley is going to cut it against these guys on a consistent basis. He's had good games. And so I think right tackle, as Ron has been preaching on social media and, and our, our podcast waves, has suddenly become <clears throat> what is a big need, John. Yeah, I can see that. 
I can see that. But I, I think it's also fair to say uh, that Randy Gregory may not be the player everybody thinks he is. This is one of those deals where he's a name player and the Broncos might have invested a lot of money in this guy and he might not pan out for them the way they think he will. Um, but that's, you know, that's just kind of whistling in the graveyard there. <laughs> I mean, he also yeah. could be excellent. They paid so, him like an excellent, and yeah. uh, apparently he was number one on the Broncos, uh, boards and, yeah. and the Broncos are forever reframed now, as we talk about them heading into the 2022 season, you either have a quarterback in this league or you have nothing. And for years and years, the Broncos had nothing and they could surround them with Von Miller and Jerry Judy mm-hmm. and Corlin Sutton. And I would still say, okay, they're still going to maybe win eight games max. That's not the case anymore. So uh, yeah, we'll see. It's, yeah. It's weird. It's, it's a, yeah. it's a weird, weird time here. Um, yeah. Our poll of the day to close because we got to get out of here. How satisfied have you been with chiefs free agency thus far? Very satisfied, John. 2.7% of fans are satisfied. <laughs> Yikes. Satisfied came in at uh, 35%. Yeah, I, you know, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, unsatisfied, 52%. And then very unsatisfied, 10%. This is a, a good, look, this is a good barometer for something that John and I always talk about off air and I'll share on air. We see a lot. We're seeing a lot of complaints on social media and it very clearly coming from the very unsatisfied. 3,500 votes, 10%. So it's squeaky wheel. The squeaky wheel is real, right? You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna, you're, the mentions are all very unsatisfied. And I get being unsatisfied. So one in every two fans right now are unsatisfied. 35% satisfied. I can't blame you for being very satisfied. I, I kind of put that up there thinking it would get about 2.7% because I, I know that fans like right. some of these splashes. But this is the day, right? We might we might see some some big-time edge splash today. Um, also, and last thing here, and Steve wanted me to mention this, it's March 16th. So a very happy stone cold day to stone cold Jones, oh. uh, the leader of SAC nation, the mayor of SAC nation. Uh, I, I wonder how he'll be celebrating. A lot of times people will celebrate that with some Steve Weisers. So if he's doing that, I hope he's, he enjoys, uh, John, thank you to you. Always, always fun. Uh, if you like the Arrowhead pride podcast network, Make sure you subscribe, leave us a rating and review. We will read it right here on the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. That's all we we got to say. We'll be back with some emergency podcasts as these major moves happen for the Kansas City Chiefs. I know we should get an opportunity to talk to some of these guys later this week, so we'll get that up on from the podium. For John Dixon and Steven Serta behind the virtual glass, my name is Pete Sweeney. Thank you for joining us on another edition of the Arrowhead Pride Editor's Show. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.